This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week here on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us this morning. And uh, lots to get to in NFL, of course, yesterday. Um, I I did want to start the show this morning uh, by just taking a minute to uh, mention the passing of a a couple of people that uh, uh, were important. Well, Well, one of them was very important to me, Charlie Pride passed away uh, yesterday at the age of 86. Charlie Pride, the first uh, black superstar in country music, uh, came on the scene in the late 60s, had uh, a great career, a guy who had three Grammy Awards, 30 number one hits from 1969 to 1984. Uh, He was the male vocalist of the year for the Country Music Association, entertainer of the year back in 1972. He was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame uh, in 2000 and uh, a member of the Grand Old Opry, a guy who was given a Lifetime Achievement Award by the CMAs just a month ago. He was on uh, the CMA Awards and sounded great. I mean, 86 years old and still had pretty good pipes, and uh, he passed away. COVID got him. So COVID gets another one, uh, but 86 years old and um, one of the most humble uh, guys you ever want to meet. And uh, so I just uh, uh, wanted to, you know, since we are uh, also play a lot of country music on this station, I just wanted to to recognize his passing. Another guy that uh, passed away this weekend, John Le Carre, uh, died at 89. Great author, a guy that I've read I didn't read all his books, but I read I read uh, probably a dozen of them. Uh, some of his famous ones, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, The Russia House. Um, Russia House was a great movie. Uh, Sean Connery played in that movie. Um, uh, guy who was actually a spy. His first three novels were actually published while he was a member um, of the British Intelligence Service. Uh, he actually at one time was the, uh, uh, on the front lines of the Cold War in MI6. His first three novels were written while he was a spy. They forced him to use a pseudonym. His real name was John Cornwell, but he picked Jean Le Carre, which means, by the way, it means square in French, and uh, kept it because he liked, he liked the sound of it. So uh, he passed away this weekend at the age of 89. So I just wanted to, to recognize uh, those two gentlemen before uh, we got started with sports. And by the way, talk about a way to start my day off. What a crisis. Two crises, actually. Number one. I get up this morning and I always turn on the news and, you know, et cetera, in the Today Show. And, well, uh, Google was down this morning. So YouTube TV, which is my TV provider, was not working. Uh, All of Google services were down. The outage went uh, out sometime around midnight Greenwich Mean Time. Was out for a couple of hours before we finally got it back. 
But I'm like, you know, of course, the first thing you do is check the Wi-Fi. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you can actually get to the Google website and you're online, it's not your Wi-Fi, Gene. Uh, so I uh, figured out pretty quickly that uh, Google was down, and it was everywhere. Uh, but it finally came back, I think, around uh, 7.30-ish, 7.45-ish Eastern time this morning. So that was crisis number one. Crisis number two, I get ready to start the show, and I realize... I forgot to bring coffee into the studio with me. So I'm going to be doing this without the added caffeine and without any liquids whatsoever. So wish me a lot of luck. All right, let's get to the NFL. Uh, And last night, the Buffalo Bills made their case that they could be the best team in the AFC before all is said and done. Now, uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers last night, 26 to 15. The Steelers offensively looked inept last night. I mean, look, we know they've been having trouble running the football. There's no question about that. Uh, but last night it was gross. I mean, James Connor, 10 carries, 18 yards. Samuel had 15 yards. Uh, Snell had 14 yards. Ben Roethlisberger looked like an old man last night. 21 of 37, 187 yards, a couple of interceptions. I mean, one of them was kind of a force at the end of the game. But um, that offense for Pittsburgh right now, I don't care what their record is. And they were 11-0. and They're now 11-2. and And, you know, people were making this uh, – it wasn't really a joke, but a lot of people were saying – it's the worst 11-0 team I've ever seen. And, of course, Steeler fans are like, yeah, well, I bet you wish you, your team was 11-0. And you can't argue with that. But there have been signs that this offense is in trouble, and it's going backwards. Uh, the Bills, in the meantime, have won six of seven and uh, now sit at 10-3. and They're still a game behind the Steelers. Right now they still have the third best record in the AFC, but they are as hot as it gets right now. Josh Allen is playing with renewed confidence. Now, I didn't think Allen was great last night. He was okay, but 24 of 43, he was not very efficient, but he did a good job of evading the Steelers' uh, pass rush. Only got sacked once. Couple of touchdown passes. Stefan Diggs was huge for Buffalo last night. Ten catches, 130 yards. He was the safety valve uh, for that Buffalo team last night, and a solid Buffalo performance. But Pittsburgh better figure this out in a hurry. They're, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, we have, they've already clinched the playoff spot, and they have the Cincinnati Bengals coming up on next Sunday or next Monday night, actually. But, you know, and they're going to beat Cincinnati, but this team is not beating the Kansas City Chiefs. It is not going to beat the Buffalo Bills again. It is not. It may not be able to beat the Indianapolis Colts or the Tennessee Titans the way they are playing offense right now. And they have some problems on defense. They have a lot of injuries, especially at the linebacking position. But this Pittsburgh Steelers team, it's hard, you know, it's it's strange to say, but they are a team in trouble. This has the potential for them to be out of the playoffs in a hurry. 
Now, you know, chances of them playing wild card weekend, you know, I don't, I don't think that will happen. You know, if they end up uh, as a uh, as a four seed, but it could happen with with what they have three games left to play. They better if they go two and one, they'll be they'll probably be okay to get at least to to uh, uh, the division round. But I'm telling you, right now this Steelers team, I don't like their chances. And, you know, again, Buffalo wasn't great last night, but they were good enough. You know, and a, a field goal with a 20, what, a 23-yarder midway through the fourth quarter by Tyler Bass kind of put this one on ice. So the the last, uh, you know, seven, eight minutes of this game were kind of anticlimactic. Uh, you know, Ben tried to force a couple of passes in there, but right now they're putting it all on the shoulders of a 36-year-old beat-up quarterback because uh, 10 carries for 18 yards by your your top runner, James Conner, is not going to get it done. Now, on the other side of it, and the reason why I'm so bullish on Buffalo this morning, and again, I haven't been a huge fan of Josh Allen's. But when you look at last yesterday's performance by the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, you say, well, you know, we've seen a few times now this season where this Chiefs team is vulnerable. And Miami gave them all they could handle yesterday. Now, to be fair, to be fair, Kansas City did build a 30-10 to 10 lead in the third quarter, and Miami made it interesting in the fourth. You know, they got it back within six when uh, Tua Tagovailoa ran it in from a yard out with, what, about four minutes to go. Made it 30-24. to 24. And now all of a sudden, everybody like, uh-oh. But Kansas City gets the ball back. Harrison Butker uh, with a 46-yard field goal gives them the nine-point lead with 108 to play, and it was over. Uh Miami did the right thing. They got they moved the ball, and they got it down in field goal range. They kicked the 44-yard field goal to get it back to six. Tried the onside kick. Kansas City recovers. Game over. But Patrick Mahomes looked human last night. Now, he threw for 393 yards, but he got sacked three times. He threw three interceptions. And... This Miami defense did a good job of bottling up the Kansas City running attack. Edwards Alaire last night had 32 yards. Their biggest run of the night, you know, was their running back Tyreek Hill had a 32-yard run for a touchdown. That I mean, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were the reason that Kansas City won this game. You know, and Mahomes throws for almost 400 yards, but three interceptions. My God, he hadn't thrown multiple interceptions in a game in more than two years. So he showed some signs of being human. Um, Travis Kelsey, by the way, leads the league in reception yards. I don't think a tight end has ever done that. Um, 
Now, the Chiefs have a big game coming up this coming week. They play at New Orleans on Sunday. Now, it's a New Orleans team that didn't play well yesterday, so you would say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the chances are it looks like Drew Brees may be coming back for the Saints. Now, he, you can say, well, he's going to be rusty, but I certainly like New Orleans' chances to give Kansas City a game more with Drew Brees at quarterback than Taysom Hill. So, you know, the Chiefs right now are obviously in the driver's seat as far as home field advantage in the AFC playoffs go with that 12-1 and record and Pittsburgh having lost two in a row. But Kansas City could be vulnerable next week. Now, knowing Patrick Mahomes, he will probably figure it out and he won't be as bad next week as he was this week. But he took a 30-yard sack yesterday. It was like one of the longest sacks in the NFL in in forever. So, you know, I, I'm not saying that the – look, I'm not trying to tell you that the Chiefs stink. I'm just telling you that I think this Buffalo team is dangerous. I think Pittsburgh – is reeling. I don't know if they're going to if they can't figure out how to run the football at all. You know, I'm not sure that they get they're not getting to the they're not even getting to the AFC championship game. So I I, I still I think I think the Bills right now nobody wants to play the Buffalo Bills. Another team that nobody wants to play right now, and if you had told me this a few weeks ago, I would have laughed in your face. But the Washington football team with another victory, and they now sit atop the NFC least all by themselves with a 6-7 and seven record. This Washington team has won four in a row. A month ago, they were 2-7. and seven. And here they are now sitting atop their division with a very good chance to make the playoffs. Uh, now, I say that knowing that their quarterback position is weak. And I love the uh, Alex Smith, as, as I've said, is a great, great story. But Alex Smith, who is a look, he's a veteran leader. He's 36 years old. He's a guy that, you know, you need that kind of uh, guy with that kind of experience with a weak team like that if they're going to make the playoffs. He left the game yesterday at halftime with some soreness in that right leg. Now, they did x rays and an MRI after the game, and they said that he is. Uh, going to be uh, that he was available yesterday on an emergency basis if they needed him. But even you know before that, he was eight of nineteen for fifty-seven yards through an interception. He hasn't he hasn't been the reason they're winning games. But you need that presence. You know, Dwayne Haskins ain't the answer in in uh, in Washington. But he might have to be if Alex Smith can't go. You know, the other thing that may have made this game a little tighter yesterday, too, is Washington was playing the game without one of their uh, top offensive threats in Antonio Gibson, who's got a toe injury. McKissick stepped in nicely, 11 carries, 68 yards. Uh, you know, this San Francisco team 
with Nick Mullins at quarterback is, you know, look, he's doing the best he can, but this was supposed to be Jimmy Garoppolo's team, but he can't seem to stay healthy. Uh, Mullins threw for 260 yards, got sacked four times. You know, the Washington defense won this game. As I said, the quarterback position yesterday, not so much, but two defensive touchdowns. They win it 23-15. to 15. Uh, Chase Young and uh, Cameron Curl, both with defensive touchdowns. Uh, Curl, in the last play of the third quarter, uh, picked off Mullins and ran 76 yards for a touchdown, made it 23-7. to 7. The game was over. You know, it was still a game at that point, but then uh, that was the end of that. So uh, this Washington team, you know, look, let's not, you know, I'm not trying to tell you they're going to Super Bowl, but what a story. Two and seven and four in a row. Now they've got their hands full again next week. They host the Seattle Seahawks. Now the, the advantage that they have is the Seahawks are coming across the country. But this is a Seahawks team that is going to need this win. They are tied atop the NFC West with the Los Angeles Rams at 9-4. and four. Seattle just absolutely leveled the Jets yesterday 40-3. to three. And they had not been playing very well, but it's you know nothing like the, a New York team to get you healthy in a hurry. <laughs> uh, case in point, by the way, and, and I'm sorry, Giants fans, uh, but man, how ugly was it yesterday for the New York Giants? They just were putrid offensively. There was questions whether, uh, Jones was going to play at quarterback for the Giants. <laughs> uh, Giant fans probably wish he hadn't. 11 for 21, 127 yards. He got sacked six times. He they, he goes to the bench. Colt McCoy comes in. Colt McCoy got sacked twice more. Eight sacks on the day for the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals had been taken on water. I mean, they were in danger of being completely out of the playoff picture. They're still hanging on by a thread, but they needed that one if they were going to have any chance. They are now seven and six, and the Giants. Look, you know there's still only there's still only a game behind Washington. You got a five and eight record, and you're still in it. So if you're a Giant fan, I guess be uh, be thankful for that. And uh, but the Giants are going to go from the frying pan into the fire because they get the Cleveland Browns next Sunday night. <laughs> Yikes! Uh, but you know. Kyler Murray yesterday, solid game, 24 for 35, 244 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Giants weren't able to get them at all. I think they, they got to him once. They sacked him once. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, huge game, nine catches, 136 yards. Uh, but the Giants' defense just was awful. 390 yards of offense for Arizona. The Giants' offense was more awful, 159 total yards. I mean, just, uh, you know, <laughs> all the all the Giant fans that were celebrating a couple of weeks ago now all of a sudden looked at yesterday and they got a – it was like getting a uh, – it was like the ice bucket challenge on your head. So, uh, sorry, Paul, and uh, the rest of you Giant fans. Uh, that was ugly. It really was. Uh, for Arizona, they have another NFC East team next week. 
They have the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Philadelphia Eagles, folks, are not out of it. They pulled off a stunner yesterday. And, you know, maybe it's not as much of a stunner. Drew Brees have been quarterback. It might have been more of a stunner. But what a big win for the Eagles yesterday to keep their season alive. They beat the New Orleans Saints 24-21. to Jalen Hurts gets the start as Carson Wentz gets benched. Now, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was not the reason that Philadelphia necessarily won this game. Very pedestrian day. 17 carries, 30 yards. Now, he did. I shouldn't say he wasn't the reason. Um, but uh, Sanders, 14 carries, 158, 115 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Hertz did also run the ball for 106 yards, so I don't want to downplay what he did, but he certainly uh, brought a dimension to that Philadelphia offense that the Saints had problems with. Uh, neither defense played especially well in this game, to be honest with you. I mean, Philly had 413 yards of offense. New Orleans had 360. So, you know, both teams were able to move the football. Taysom Hill, you know, I, I don't know what to think of Taysom Hill. He threw for 291 yards and a couple of touchdowns, but he got sacked five times. You know, some of the problem with Taysom Hill, I think, at quarterback, and he takes sacks is that, you know, he's so used to playing in that wild wildcat offense. He's so used to, when he's in the game, getting the ball and trying to run with the football that I still think sometimes he has that run first uh pass second mentality and sometimes I think he gets himself uh into trouble and takes sacks when maybe he could throw the football away because he thinks maybe he can get get by in his legs but uh that was a big win it really was and you know look the Saints made it interesting well <laughs> uh Hertz made it interesting when he fumbled the football late in the game the Saints get it back and Taysom Hill hits Jared Cook for a 20-yard touchdown pass to make it a three-point game with about a minute 24 to go. Uh, but then the uh, Eagles recover the onside kick, and the game was over. They were able to run it out. Um, but uh, uh, Philadelphia is still in it. They are now 4-8-1, and one, so they are a game and a half behind Washington. And, e look, you look at the Eagles. They have to go across the country next week to play Arizona, but it's still an Arizona team that if you're Philadelphia, you've got to say, that's a gettable game. You know, and then all of a sudden, you know, 5-8-1, and one, if Washington stumbles next week, all of a sudden, here we are, we're a half a game out. You know, so <laughs> that NFC East may literally go down to the very last week before somebody decides they're going to take control of this thing. It's 29 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 31 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate your time this morning. Um, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We talked about, you know, who's the best team in the AFC, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's uh, Kansas City, whether it's Pittsburgh. It's hard to argue right now that the Green Bay Packers are not the best team in the NFC. The Green Bay Packers may be able to do something they haven't been able to do, and that's get the home field advantage throughout the playoffs and force teams to come to Green Bay in January in that weather to win a trip to the Super Bowl. You know, and I didn't know this, but I uh, 
I saw it in an AP story this morning that Aaron Rodgers has been in the NFC Championship game four times, and yet none of those games have been at Lambeau Field. Well, now with that win yesterday, they beat the Detroit Lions 31-24. to They go to 10-3, and uh, tied atop the, uh, the standings with the Saints, but Green Bay has the tiebreaker. So right now, Green Bay ha- will have home field advantage if they're able to hold on. Aaron Rodgers, if he's not the MVP right now, I, I, there should be an investigation. I mean, look, this guy is just continuing to put up incredible numbers. 26 of 33 yesterday, 290 yards, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions, and uh, they, they beat an awful Detroit team. Uh, Detroit actually got worse for Detroit. They lost Matthew Stafford, their quarterback, with a rib injury uh, late in the game. He had thrown for a touchdown, 244 yards, been sacked four times, and just he got the snot beat out of him. Detroit's another team that can't run the football at all. Uh, Green Bay yesterday uh, got 69 yards from Jones, 38 yards from Williams, and 290 yards in the air from Aaron Rodgers, and an easy win for the Green Bay Packers yesterday. By the way, Green Bay in this game, (coughs) 8 of 11 on third down. 8 of 11. I mean, every time they needed a big play, it seemed like uh, they got it. The Packers get Carolina uh, a Saturday night game this week. Uh, They will host the Carolina Panthers. Um, The Lions just playing out the string. Uh, It's an important game, though, next week for Tennessee. They play the Tennessee Titans next week who are uh, battling to try to, uh, you know, perhaps get a division title and have to be able to stay out of – out of the wild card slot, but uh, uh, we shall see. But right now, the Packers, no question, uh, best team in the NFC in my mind. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady get a win yesterday, and they needed it in the worst way. Look, it's not out of the realm of possibility if New Orleans doesn't get their act together that Tampa could catch them, but I think it unlikely. Uh, but what they are, you know, the good news is for Tampa is that the rest of the a, the NFC is so bad, it's going to be hard for them not to make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, really, when you think about it, right now they're battle. It's Seattle and Tampa would be the two wild card teams. The only other team really in the mix, realistically, right now, would be that Arizona team. So, uh, and Tampa next week uh, plays Atlanta. They get to play Atlanta twice in the final three games. I mean, talk about a break in the scheduling. So, uh, you know, Brady and the Bucks will have a chance to get back into the playoffs. Brady yesterday was, uh, you know, uh, okay. You know, he was 15 of 23, 196 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That was the important part is, you know, he took care of the football. Uh, but this is a team that had uh, lost – Three home games against division title contenders in four weeks. So they had to have this game yesterday uh, over the Vikings. And <laughs> you, you could make the case that uh, the, the Vikings lost this game because of the kicking game. <laughs> I mean, it was perhaps the worst day for a kicker in NFL history. I mean, I'm not kidding, you know, and you have to wonder, 
<laughs> I mean, we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of problems with kickers this year. Everybody, every team seems to have problems, but nobody has struggled as much as Dan Bailey. Dan Bailey yesterday missed three field goals and an extra point. Now, one of the field goals was a 54-yarder, so I'll maybe give him a pass on that one. But he missed a 36-yarder, and he missed a 46-yarder. You can't, you cannot miss a 36-yard field goal. You just can't. Uh, the previous week, he missed two extra points and a potential game winner. Now, he did hit a field goal in overtime to beat an awful Jacksonville team, but Bailey is a train wreck. I mean, my God. So, you know, you could make a case that uh, that maybe Minnesota wins this game if their kicker can, uh, can make a field goal, but uh, uh, Kirk Cousins yesterday – Threw for 225 yards, got sacked six times. The Tampa Bay defense was all over him yesterday. Uh, you know, and again, Tampa wasn't uh, wasn't great, but they were good enough. Matter of fact, Minnesota had more total yards in this game, and they the time of possession was lopsided in Minnesota's favor. They had the ball 39 minutes to just 21 minutes for Tampa, but Tampa continued to make. Big play after big play on defense uh, with those sacks. And uh, they had a fumble recovery as well. And uh, Minnesota loses this one 26-14. Uh, the Tennessee Titans yesterday uh, with an easy victory. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 31-10. to But the story of this game is Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry had 215 yards on the ground. And by the way, you know, Derrick Henry is a guy that grew up near Jacksonville, Florida. So he he uh he did a number on his uh, kind of his hometown team. He had that's his fourth game with at least 200 yards and two touchdowns uh which breaks an NFL record that he held How about these names? Broke a record that he held with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Ladanian Tomlinson. It, he uh, he went over 100 yards for the ninth straight time on the road. That's one shy of the NFL record set by Barry Sanders uh, between two seasons, between the 1996 and 1997 seasons. So uh, Derrick Henry, and here's the thing, Jacksonville tried to do everything they could to stop this. They had everybody in the box. They just loaded up the front to try to slow this guy down. Yeah, well, Derrick Henry had 170 yards by halftime. <laughs> I mean, you know, no matter what they tried to do, there was no slowing him down. Uh, so a big win for Tennessee, a win that they had to have. That keeps them tied atop the AFC South with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so obviously, and look, you know, Right now, they're they're vying to to make sure they can get a home game. That's their key. You know, they don't want to be a wild card key, team and have to be on the road. They want to get a home team if you're Tennessee. So next week they play a Detroit team. You've got to think that's a winnable game. Uh, Jacksonville just playing out the string now. The only question for Jacksonville is, uh, do they get the number one pick, or will it be uh, the New York Jets that get the number one pick? 
picked one and twelve and zero and thirteen. Cincinnati trying to get the number one pick again too. They got uh, they're at two ten and one, and with Joe Burrow down, who knows? They may not win another game. But uh, uh, big win for Tennessee, but a big win yesterday also for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the Colts again, a team that had been kind of reeling a little bit, uh, but they get a big game yesterday. Uh, T. Y. Hilton couple of touchdown receptions. He had 86 yards receiving. Phillip Rivers took care of the football, did a nice job yesterday, threw for 244 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Uh, and this Colts team literally ran all over, <laughs> all over the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, Jonathan Taylor yesterday, 150 yards on the ground on 20 carries. A couple of touchdowns, averaged 7.5 a pop. This Raiders team, uh, they're the Titanic. Uh, it's so bad that the Raiders fired their defensive coordinator yesterday uh, after the game, after giving up uh, 456 yards to the uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Look, the Colts' defense wasn't any better, but the Raiders' defense has been a big problem lately, and finally uh, they had seen enough, and John Gruden fired the defensive coordinator yesterday. Um, the Raiders get the Chargers on Thursday night. That's I guess that's the good news, you know, because right now, I mean, the Raiders, realistically, their playoff chances are... I wouldn't say nil, but they are very, very low. I mean, look, they in, in order to get a wild card spot, they've got to pass a Cleveland team that's only got three losses, a Tennessee team that's got four losses, and then the Miami Dolphins who sit at eight and five. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but uh, with three games left, they're going to have to run the table to give themselves any kind of a chance. Uh, and, of course, the game of the week. I can't wait for this one tonight. Uh, I want to find out how good this Cleveland team is. And you say, well, hey, stupid, they're 9-3. and three. Again, this has been one of those teams that has not been able to beat really good teams until we saw them beat the hell out of Tennessee last, what, last week. This Cleveland team um, – had not been able to beat anybody that's any good. If they beat this Baltimore team tonight and effectively put Baltimore out of the playoff race and go to 10-3, and three, uh, you got to start believing. You know, and uh, whether, you know, look, when you've got Nick Chubb and if you know Chubb's healthy now, and he's been running all over everybody, if you know if, if you can't slow him down, and uh, then that opens up the passing game for Baker Mayfield, this is going to be this is going to be a very very interesting game tonight. So I am uh, I am looking forward to that one. Of course, our uh, intrepid NFL correspondent Dan Zampano thinks Baltimore is going to win this game tonight, but you know he hasn't been uh, bullish on Cleveland all year, nor nor have I. Uh, so we'll see, but that's going to be a fun one tonight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about college football. We've got uh, some baseball news as well, some big news out of Cleveland 
Uh, we'll talk about all that when we come back. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 46 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Monday morning. So the AP poll comes out, and uh, <laughs> surprising nobody, uh, the top five teams all stay the same, Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, and A&M. You know, it's just weird to look at this top 25, and you look at the records, and you see Ohio State, which is, you know, is 5-0. and oh. You look down, down the list a little bit, USC sitting at 13 is 5-0. and oh. By the way, what a win for USC over the weekend. Uh, back and forth game with UCLA. Uh, UCLA takes the lead late in this one, and USC manages to win it. They just drove down the field, and like the UCLA defense wasn't even on the field uh, to win that game. Uh, the big surprise, Coastal Carolina up to number nine. They jumped two spots, 11-0. and uh, They survive uh, beating uh, Troy State. Not exactly a marquee win, but uh, again, this wacky season that we have had. Coastal Carolina... You know what? I guarantee you. Now, I don't know how long I have left to live. You know, look, I'm going to be optimistic and say I got 30 years left. Maybe I'll make 90. That's what I'm going for. So I guarantee you, if I live to be 90 years old, you will never see Coastal Carolina in the top 10 in the AP college football rankings again. I would be willing to bet my house on that. (laughs) But good for them. You know what? That's one of the things you make hay while the sunshine. It's kind of like, remember uh, several years ago when uh, the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, uh, pulled the big upset in the NCAA tournament? I think they beat Virginia, right? Uh, And uh, they, they pulled the big upset, and, you know, they milked the crap out of that. You know, they got a lot of uh, publicity for that, and good for them. And Coastal Carolina, I hope they are getting all the publicity out of this that they can because good for them. A team that's only been in the bowl subdivision for, what, four or five years, uh, you know, taking full advantage of this weird year, so good for them. Uh, The shocker of the week, by the way, um, Florida, I mean, excuse me, Miami, which was uh, 8-1, and They were in the top 10. I think they were ranked ninth last week. They got absolutely annihilated by North Carolina this week. North Carolina crushed them. Miami drops from ninth to 19th. You know, that was a team that, you know, they were trying to figure out, you know, maybe there's a way we can sneak into the, you know, one of the big bowl games. Well, that's out the window now after they got crushed by uh, North Carolina this week. So no major surprises here in uh, in the top 25 other than maybe – uh, Coastal Carolina being at number nine. Coastal Carolina, by the way, this is championship week- weekend. So Coastal Carolina has to beat uh, Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette this week to stay undefeated. Um, they uh, Louisiana Lafayette is number uh, 17. Of course, we have uh, in the SEC championship, Alabama and Florida. Uh, a rematch. I can't wait to see this one. Uh, Notre Dame against Clemson. And this time Clemson's going to have their starting quarterback. You know, of course, the last time they lost, they played Notre Dame and they lost. You know, they didn't have their quarterback, so that will be interesting. And of course, Ohio State and Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship this weekend. Ohio State, uh, I, I expect to win this game. Uh, and if they do, obviously, they will be in the national championship picture with six wins. Um, but I would just love for Northwestern to pull the upset here. It would do my heart really good. Uh, Cincinnati hoping maybe they can sneak into uh, one of the big bowl games. They sit at number six. They have number 20 Tulsa in the American Conference Championship uh, this weekend. Iowa State and Oklahoma 
are in the Big 12 championship. Uh, the Pac-12 championship is between number 13 Southern Cal and unranked Washington. That's how bad things are in the Pac-12 this year. And uh, the MAC championship, Buffalo and Ball State. And then the Mountain West championship, it'll be uh, unranked Boise against number 25 San Jose State. Um, how bad are things in college football? Well, Auburn fired uh, Gus Malzone this weekend. Gus Malzone has coached at Auburn for eight years. Gus Malzone has a career record at Auburn of 68 and 35. He has won almost twice as many games as he has lost. Yet, that's not good enough. I mean, think about that. Think about how ludicrous that is. And look, he's he coaches in the toughest division in college football, in the SEC. And even at that, he was 39 and 27 against SEC opponents. The problem that you have, especially at Auburn, is you get compared to what the Crimson Tide does, what Nick Saban does. You know, and if you can't beat Nick Saban, it's kind of like being the Michigan coach and not being able to beat Ohio State. But when you go 68 and 35 and you can't keep your job, that is absolutely ridiculous. Now, having said that, Gus isn't going to be on the bread line. <laughs> they still owe him a $21.45 million buyout of the remaining four years of a seven-year contract that he signed. They have to pay half of that within 30 days. So, you know, Gus Malzahn's going to be just fine, but college football is just out of control, you know. And it's just – and it's not just – at Auburn, I mean, we have seen many examples through the years of coaches with with great records getting fired because you can't win the big one. Now, having having we go from that to Illinois, Illinois fired Lovey Smith on Sunday um, after losing, guaranteeing its ninth consecutive losing season. Lovey Smith's been there for five years. He was seventeen and thirty nine in five seasons. You know, it's it's harder. Uh, to argue with that one. That I get, okay? Uh, but still, 68 and 35 in Auburn, and you can't keep your job. Um, so news filtered down late last night that the Cleveland Indians will not be the Cleveland Indians after the 2021 season. They are going to keep the nickname for the upcoming year. Uh, this was reported uh, by the Cleveland Plain Dealer that they're going to keep the name and the uniform through 2021, and then during the course of the season, it it sounds like they are going to uh, make some kind of uh, campaign with the fans to try to get uh, input from them about what they would like to see as the next mascot for the Cleveland baseball team. What I hope they don't do, (laughs) 
What I hope they don't do is do what the Washington, formerly known as the Washington Redskins did. Uh, what I, you know, I hope they don't do that and become the Cleveland baseball team because that, that, ladies and gentlemen, will just be ridiculous. Here's what I would like to see them do. I don't think, I don't know that they will because, you know, everybody wants to erase history, but uh, I would like them to see them become the Cleveland Spiders. That's what I would like to see. The Cleveland Spiders were a major league team uh, in the old American Association in Cleveland back in the late 1800s. They played, uh, I think, from 1887 to 1899 in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and then they played seven seasons or 11 seasons. They played two years in the American Association and then 11 seasons in the National League. I would love to see them do that, you know, make it a throwback. That would be awesome. Uh, I don't know that they will. And, look, you can say what you want, whether this is the right move, whether it's the wrong move. You know, we all know that the controversy going around, this is going to probably put a lot of pressure on the Atlanta Braves to change their name, to change their logo. Uh, you know, whether it happens or not, I, I don't know. Cleveland has been very resistant to the idea. But I think that, look, I, I, I'm not going to use, uh, you know, a lot of uh, racial uh, words here. But, look, you wouldn't name a team the, you know, uh, the Irish mix, right? Or, or the, uh, you know, the old, the word they used to use for Italians. You know, you wouldn't, or the word, you know, the word that we don't use for black people. You know, and if Native Americans find the, the term Indians offensive, why would you continue to use it? I mean, look, I'm not about, I don't like the whole cancel culture. I don't like erasing history. I hate the fact that we're tearing down uh, statues of, of Confederate soldiers and Confederate generals. I hate that. I hate that we're tearing down uh, Christopher Columbus statues. Look, here's here's one thing, okay? That was a part of history. The Civil War in our country was a part of history. And to, to try to erase that now, to me, is a problem. I don't have a problem with not being able to use the Confederate flag. You know, states that were using the Confederate flag, that's just stupid. The Confederacy doesn't exist anymore. You live in, this is the United States. So that I'm okay with. But the Civil War still happened. We can't erase that. Christopher Columbus still did great things. He was a product of his times in terms of his, his way he treated uh, native tribes. And, you know, it was a product of, of the times. You know, a lot of nobody was a saint. Look, you, you, you try to, to take somebody's behavior from 200 years ago and apply modern mores to that. It doesn't work. But we want to just cancel everything. And, you know, just because. Christopher Columbus didn't act like somebody from the you know the, the 20th or 21st century would. Well, that suddenly makes him a bad person. So I'm against that stuff. But when it comes to what you could be considered as you know racial nicknames, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not having the Redskins, not having an Indians, not having the Braves. I'm okay with that. Now you know 
you can make the case that Warriors, you know, that can be has several connotations. I don't know that Warriors needs to go away because it doesn't have to be. You could have you could name a team the Warriors, and it doesn't have to have uh, Native American symbolism. Um, so you know that one's a little little bit uh, more of a gray area, but I'm okay with this. I really am. But I'd love to see him reach back and, and do the Cleveland Spiders. I'm sure they probably won't, but that would be cool. That'd be cool. Um, news came out that uh, the Mets are going to hire uh, Jared Porter as their new general manager. He Right now he is the assistant GM uh, in Arizona. He has New England ties. He also worked in the front office uh, of the Boston Red Sox. Um, as, uh, as a matter of fact, he was there for three World Series with the Red Sox. So uh, uh, he's 41 years old, and he is going to work under uh, President Sandy Alderson. So the Mets uh, getting their act together. Uh, they got their act together in another way uh, as uh, they signed James McCann to a four-year deal. Uh, it had been rumored that they were interested in uh, JT Ramuto. Well, obviously, uh, that is not going to happen now. So... Uh, that's good. That's good. I, I think that's uh, uh, a good signing for them, and uh, we'll see, you know, what else they have in, in store. Um, you know, obviously, they're hoping their pitching staff remains healthy. McCann, obviously, a big upgrade for them uh, at the catching position. Uh, one other quick note before we get out of here, just a, a feel-good story. Um, Johnny Bench had a, a whole bunch of memorabilia uh, from his time uh, when he was playing for the Cincinnati Reds and decided that he was going to sell it. He was going to auction it off because he was going to use the money to put his young sons uh, through college. You know, uh, Jerry, uh, Johnny Bench is older, but uh, he has sons uh, from a, a marriage later in life, and he wanted to put them through college. So he, he sold his stuff uh, for about a million bucks. Well, guess what? It was all bought by a guy by the name of Alan Horwitz, who is a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Uh, but it's a guy that grew up watching Johnny Bench play. So he bought all this stuff and then gave it back to Johnny Bench. So Bench gets the million bucks from the auction, but then gets his memorabilia back uh, from this guy who bought it. I mean, that is just – and the only the only request that the guy had that gave it back to him is that he wanted to meet Johnny Bench's sons uh, who are going to benefit from that million dollars that he gave to buy the stuff. Uh, and bench and, and you know bench obviously very touched by it uh and he said that and then what he did is he then is going to donate the memorabilia to several locations uh including the baseball hall of fame uh the reds hall of fame the mets uh the oklahoma hall of fame uh which is of course he's from oklahoma and uh just so that other people will have a chance to see it um and he's not just going to put it back in his closet so i just i thought that was a really really uh cool gesture uh by this gentleman uh oh one other quick note um i was going to get to it earlier and time just got past me uh the UConn women's basketball team finally started this weekend uh they played UMass Lowell it was a bloodbath everybody knew it was going to be a bloodbath they they beat UMass Lowell 79-23 uh the story of this one uh they're Highly touted freshman, Paige Beckers. Guess what, folks? She's pretty good. She is, uh, I think she is going to be the next superstar there. She was 8 for 11 from the field. 17 points, 5 assists, uh, 5 steals, just 3 turnovers. Uh, 
very, very impressive player. Uh, matter of fact, they had a couple of other freshmen that played very well also. Uh, and Nika Mule uh, came off the bench, played 15 minutes. I think she had uh, 10 points. Aaliyah Edwards had 12 points. Amir uh, McLean had 11 points. I mean, they just uh, – this is going to be a really good UConn women's basketball team. Uh, we could be seeing uh, UConn women doing what they did of old – uh, if not this year, next year. They are going to be uh, very good for a long time to come. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. By the way, we got snow coming on Wednesday here in the Northeast. we got a foot of snow coming. Oh, boy. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. We're going to leave you with some music from the late, great Charlie Pride. I talked about his passing at the age of 86 yesterday. Uh, here's his first number one hit, the first of 30. This is Kiss and Angel. Good morning. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Whenever I chance to meet Some old friends on the street They wonder how does a man get to be this way I've always got a smiling face Anytime in any place And every time they ask me why I just smile and say You've got to kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her when you're gone Kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil when you get back home People may try to guess The secret of a happiness But some of them never learn It's a simple thing The secret I'm speaking of Is a woman and a man in love And the answer is in this song That I always sing You've got to Kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her when you're gone Kiss an angel good morning And love her like the devil when you get back home Kiss an angel good morning And let her know you think about her when you're gone Kiss an angel good morning Love her like the devil when you get back home.